This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we update you on the latest information about REST API support in ONTAP. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipoc. Zipoc. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and we are here to talk about REST API, what's new and what's coming in the future and what's not coming in the future. Um, We won't go too much into detail about future stuff, but we will kind of hint at things. And to do that, we've brought along a few guests. So first, uh, Yuvaraju, what do you do here at NetApp and how do I reach you? Hey, Justin, thanks for having us on the podcast. So, uh, Yuraju, product manager, uh, mostly on the manageability tools on on tap rest. Uh, manageability tools include workflow automation, API services, NMSDK, PowerShell toolkit, etc. So, you can reach me on my Twitter handle, or you can come through the Slack channel on the pub. My Twitter handle is b underscore Yuraju. That's Y U V A R A J U. Thanks, Justin. All right, awesome. Also with us today, we have Rob McDermott. Hi, Rob. What do you do? How do we reach you? Hey, Justin. Thanks. Uh, I've been working at NetApp uh, as, a, as an engineer in, in the ONTAP group um, and uh, work uh, so inside ONTAP working on REST or working on um, the the external clients, uh, the Python clients, um, and some of our other uh, uh, GitHub um recent uh, properties so you can reach me either I'll, I'll hang out on the slack channel in the in the api space or you can look at uh, the netapp rest uh, properties on github and i'll be watching for issues and, and and conversing there all right excellent and last but not least adrian bronders here adrian hi what do you do how do i reach you yeah hi justin um i'm adrian i'm uh, located in uh, munich germany and i'm global solutions architect um, I am uh, working with a lot of customers on either existing automation stacks and how to transform them or on a new one. And I was part of the group that evaluated the first uh, ONTAP REST API. And you can reach me either um, on uh, LinkedIn or I'm also active in our Slack channel. So before we get into the details about our REST API, I'd like to just kind of level set and let everybody know what a REST API is. So Yuvaraju, uh, what is a REST API and why did we go from what we have previously to what we have now? Right. I think it's good to level set. The previous podcast we did was almost a year back when it was introduced with 9.6. So to give you a a history is always good, especially with a company like NetApp, where we have a vibrant history. So NetApp was actually one of the first companies to introduce APIs. Uh, what we had was our own proprietary APIs. And to help users consume these APIs, we had a software development kits, which provided client libraries for different programming languages. We also had the PowerShell toolkit uh, for, for folks who would uh, automate on Windows. And these, in turn, were consumed by our manageability tools, as well as tools like NetApp Ansible, Trident, and others. So with 9.6, we introduce REST APIs. REST APIs are industry standard. And with 9.6, we actually had a lot of functionality, a lot of features, 
and capabilities to manage an on-tap system being available as part of REST API. The main reason why we invested was its industry standard. And uh, you have, in the enterprises, you have a lot of folks who are standardizing on REST. And uh, it was an opportunity for us uh, to be able to talk to those enterprise through REST. So many didn't want the proprietary uh, way of con conversing with uh, other vendors. So to be at the industry level, we came up with REST, um, Justin. So with 9.6, we introduced REST. A lot of features and functionalities came in. And then we started expanding on it. Uh, so with newer releases, say we have the 9.7 release with WinGA. With 9.7, uh, we have a lot more functionality being available with REST. And all new features are now uh, for automation. Uh, you have to use REST API for all the new features. All right, excellent. So, um, Rob, as a developer, what what advantages do you see for REST APIs? You know, for, with what you do day to day versus something that's more proprietary. Other than what you know, Viraj, you said, are there other advantages to REST API there? So, for the developer's perspective, young know, Viraj, you mentioned that uh, it's the industry standard, and and so what that provides is some consistency you know you you kind of know the rules going in you know um that you know i'm, I'm probably looking for a set of resources right rest deals with resources or you could think of them as objects which have a standard set of uh, methods on them you know there's the post patch get delete um uh that, that are standard in in our api and others right and so you kind of have an understanding of how that works uh if you you know you know from using some some other companies' APIs to going to NetApp's APIs, you, they should look and feel somewhat similar, at least from the conceptual perspective, right? So, so then all you have to worry about is, okay, what what does this feature do? And and what do, what do I have to manipulate to, to deal with that, right? So you go into the documentation, you have an idea of where to look, and you start from there. So my understanding is also that it, it's an advantage for customers that have established automation suites and they don't have to backport things to, to fit proprietary APIs. They can just use the industry standards and just fit it right into what they've already got. That's right. So, you know, when we went about uh, developing our REST APIs, uh, we said, let's use some standard tools. You know, the, so the one, the one probably the largest um, tool out there for documenting uh, your REST API is called Swagger, right? So Swagger or now open API um, is is the spec used to to document it right so it's this, it's this long um, YAML or JSON document that describes how your API works and there's lots of tooling that uh, that's out there you know, open source used by many large companies to to actually integrate with that right so you write the YAML and then there's code generators and, and UIs to show it off and, and everything just kind of um, works together and so that's um, that's certainly you know one thing that we looked at and said let's do this you know make sure we're integrating into the community. So Yuvaraj, uh, you you, know, you mentioned we introduced REST APIs in ONTAP nine point six, um, and that kind of leads a lot of people asking, well, now that you have this new REST API functionality, what happens to the existing functionality that I've built my entire environment around? So Zappies, what's going on with those? How long are we going to? How long can we expect to see those stick around? Right. So, yeah, uh, we are uh, very well aware that uh, customers have built a lot of automation based on Zappies. So uh, what we are doing is with the newer releases of ONTAP, uh, the functionality what was available as, uh, with Zappy, we are porting it into the newer releases. So we have 9.7 today. With 9.7, you have REST APIs. Uh, you also have Zappies. So the functionality which is available as of 9.6, 
you have it with 97 as well and it will continue uh, to be there when we move on to newer releases so with 98 with 99 we are looking at porting the zappy functionality the idea here is to allow you to use your existing automation and uh, as you bring in new systems and if you want them to use them with uh, with the existing automation you should be able to do so and so that way for the next two to two and a half years you'll still have zappy being available and then which allows you time to also plan how you can move off the proprietary zappies to the industry standard rest and with our cadence being a year so we're looking at two releases and we got about another half a year before the next release so that's a good two to two and a half years out that we're looking at this right that's absolutely right justin yes okay so we got plenty of time to basically plan and figure out how we're going to change our automation to use rest api but on the converse using rest api to to do your automation isn't going to be that hard because everything already uses it anyway. So the porting over is going to be basically on the on your code side. Yeah, that's true. Um, and not just in the industry, but also if you look at uh, within NetApp, you have a lot of our manageability products uh, exposing REST. Also, the cloud inside, the cloud-based tools, all of them talk REST. So when you're looking at uh, NetApp as a whole, we are trying to use REST APIs when we even converse among our own products itself. So with that being done, I mean, does REST API offer any advantage uh, outside of Zappy? Is it, is it faster? Is it more robust? Is it more scalable? I mean, what sort of things does it offer besides the standardization? Yeah, that's a good question. So Zappy, uh, so we had an approach where uh, for every operation we had to do, uh, we had a Zappy being available. So we kind of uh, looked at this as an opportunity where uh, we could look at a workflow-based uh, approach with REST. And then uh, uh, we try to see if a user wants to, say, set up a cluster or a networking. So what are uh, the endpoints or what are the features that he would touch? And we try to categorize all of those attributes, functionality under one API. So to give an example, we had we have today, as of today, we have around 2,600 uh, Zappies. So what you have with REST is around 20 categories of REST. So uh, we had, say, net, which means networking, DNS, uh, for cluster. We had different varieties of Zappies being available. But with API, you just have this slash API slash cluster, and all of the functionality related to a cluster uh, is available within it as attribute. So there's a lot of simplification which came in when we when we built this new on-type REST API. Along with it, uh, we have also made sure that with release, uh, we are improving the performance of REST as well. Uh, when you're trying to uh, retrieve a lot of records, uh, when you're trying to set a timeout and then say, within this timeout, I want to fetch records. So we are providing functionality with this not just equivalent to REST, not just equivalent to Zappy, but also we are adding more in terms of how you can query, how we can improve the performance when you want to retrieve a list of Q3s. So on the performance side, as well as overall on uh, this, how REST can be simpler for today's persona, like a DevOps engineer or somebody who looks at automating the whole infrastructure, we have thought through these things and made it simpler for them to consume REST. Okay, cool. So I think we've covered you know, what REST is and some of the benefits and advantages. So let's talk about what's new. So what sort of changes were new from 9.6 to the current release? 
when you're looking at uh, what was new from 9.6 to the current release, so one of the major features was uh, a feature called SVM tunneling. So SVM tunneling, we had it with Zappy. So what SVM tunneling allowed a user to do is, uh, so you can scope the REST API to a SVM uh, directly from the cluster administrator interface. So what I'm meaning here is uh, a cluster admin can have a look at all of the resources uh, within the cluster and a SVM administrator can come through the SVM management lift to look at uh, what can be managed within his storage virtual machine. So what was the ask coming in from uh, our field and users was the ability to have a header um, and then you don't have to specify any SVM level parameters. Rather, in the header, you would say, this is my SVM name or the UUID. And then the context is set right up front for the whole session. And then any activity you do within that session is within the context of that particular storage virtual machine. So this came in as part of 9.7, one major feature which came in. So along with it, we have also addressed a lot of feature gaps. So uh, we did not have the network time protocol support in 9.6. So that has come in as part of 9.7. And on the networking side, the border gateway protocol, uh, the support for virtual uh, IP. So all these were in there with uh, 9.6. That has come in. Uh, NVMe, we have support for a lot of the NVMe features. And then on the authentication side, uh, we have support for the Active Directory proxy, public keys. Uh, along with that, we have introduced a lot of performance metrics. So REST as a different counter manager, uh, which is a simpler way of uh, retrieving performance metrics. So initially with 9.6, we only had, say, uh, cluster and volume metrics being available. So we have expanded it with 9.7. With 9.7, you can actually re retrieve a lot more uh, performance metrics. So at the storage virtual machine level, uh, you can retrieve performance <clears throat> for all the protocols, right, from NFS, SIFS, FCP, ISCSI with 9.7. In addition to it, at the object level, in addition to cluster and volume, which was available in 9.6, you have LUN, aggregate, and then also uh, within, uh, you know, I think you also have it for cloud volumes as well. So performance, a storage virtual machine, and then a uh, lot more functionality we have kind of closed some of the feature and the attribute gaps which we had with uh, Zappy. And it's a journey, the way I'm looking at it. Uh, so one important feature which was there in 9.6 was the CLI pass-through. So right from REST itself, uh, a user can drop down to the command line interface, especially for attributes which are missing. And uh, we kind of look at the data and then see which attributes gets used and we bring it in into subsequent releases. So we are continuing with that functionality as we move into newer releases. And uh, we, we will be adding a lot more features and functions as we go towards completion of REST. Okay. So um, with REST API, I mean, what sort of current integrations do we have today? Are there things to help us consume it easier? What are we using to, to push this out to people? Yeah, I think a, a very good example for that um, is the first two um, that we released uh, based on REST API that we ported to REST APIs and its uh, system manager. So the built-in kind of management GUI for ONTAP. And I think 
a lot of the things that you've mentioned already um, come down there um, and a lot of enhancements. So it's not just uh, a new UI and a new look and feel, but really increased functionality. And your Raju just mentioned the performance counters. Um, you know, the old problem that, um, oh, a performance issue occurs um, and I'm logging into my system manager and it starts showing me the performance data from the time I logged in. But I need historical performance data. And this is now in and uh, consumed via REST APIs. And also, um, I see it as a perfect interface between traditional storage administrators and developers because any activity is locked in the API lock and um, any activity that you do from that GUI is easy to translate into a REST API call and to use it then with a script or any kind of integration. Um, and I think uh, more and more tools are now following, like ActiveIQ Unified Manager is a perfect example for that. And, um, and of course, other known integration like Virtual Storage Console and others. Yeah, to kind of add to what Adrian just mentioned, so Adrian touched upon System Manager. System Manager is one of our, uh, the, the first tools, which is actually just consuming REST. Um, and then uh, it's moving away from Zappy. We have the own we have system manager as a new UI, and then it shows a lot of historical performance data. So ActiveIQ Unified Manager has modeled this, its REST APIs uh, on the ONTAP REST API itself. And what it does is ActiveIQ Unified Manager allows you to go talk to individual clusters through the gateway APIs, which are available with Unified Manager. So that way, you don't have to go to individual ONTAP systems. Rather, you can look at UM, and then you can look at uh, the UM's gateway APIs to be uh, the main engine from which you reach down to individual clusters. So in addition to it, the Ansible modules, as of today, they have a Zappy. They're all Zappy-based. And there is an effort underway uh, to make sure that these Ansible modules can also consume REST. And depending on the ONTAP version, uh, it'll decide which, which API to use, Zappy or REST. So that's the plan with Ansible. And the major integration that we have built uh, between 9.6 and 9.7 is the Python client library. So Python client library kind of simplifies uh, how REST can be consumed. Uh, for, for, a, for an organization which is standardized on Python, so this Python client library coming in from uh, the ONTAP REST API team is definitely simplifies how they can consume REST. Uh, I think Rob will be able to add a lot more in terms of how we started down the path and what are the features of the Python client library, how it can be downloaded and integrated. The Python client library, uh, also known as uh, netapp-ontap, which is downloadable from pypi.org is a, is a Python package or a library um, that's meant to make it as easy as possible for developers to consume REST who are used to working in Python, right? Um, so this was first released mid-July, uh, just after 9.6 went GA. Um, this, this was you know, followed shortly after with the, the 9.6.0 version of the library. And since then, we've been keeping um, in in step with every ONTAP uh, RC and GA release um, with uh, a new version of the library. And, and so one of the reasons we can do that was one of our major design goals is that we're going to, we consume um, ONTAP's YAML definition of the REST API, run it through a code generator that spits out the library. So we've written a bunch of, you know, custom um, 
sort of generic code that ties everything together, but all of the all of the objects and their definitions and the methods available for them are coming directly from the YAML file. Um, so, you know, that, I think uh, Adrian mentioned it earlier. You know, System Manager, one of the internal on-box tools. You know, being the first consumer of REST. There's lots of consumers of the REST design and all of the work going into it. And it's inside of, of NetApp and it's all kind of feeding back into this loop, right? Um, which is uh, good, hopefully, for our customers outside too who are using our tools, but also maybe building some of their own, right? So they can they can be using the Python client library, building their own automation on, uh, on top of that. And so, uh, we, we had designed it to be uh, some, you know, as Pythonic is the word, um, as possible. Um, you know, we had some developers uh, who, are, who are very versed in Python. You know, they've been using it you know, inside NetApp for their careers for quite a while to make sure it's it's something that should be um, easy to use. Uh, I think in one of in one of the early demos we were giving internally, you know, we took um, basically if you're using the requests library to just uh, automate a Python script against ONTAP versus if you're using uh, the the NetApp ONTAP library. That we're shipping, right? And you can, you know, you can certainly do it with both. But you know, if you're using the NetApp on tap library, we ended up with about half the number of lines of code, and the, and even those lines were about half as complex as the other ones. So we're saving the, the user some time, um, just in in doing the tedious things you'd have to to write your own stuff for, right? Uh, you don't have to worry. If, while using the library about what is the exact right um, syntax, you know, uh, what is the URL, what is the method, uh, how do I build up the right query string for uh, a given uh, a given syntax? Um, that it you know it covers that up because that's all very standard across everything, right? So one of the one of the best things about using the library is once you've learned, for example, how to use the volume resource, you know how to use most resources, right? Because they're all very standard. Um, you know, doing a get, doing a, a create, um, doing a query um, works pretty much the same way for all resources. And the library makes sure that it, it's a consistent experience um, and gives you that extra productivity of not having to write, you know, you don't have to worry about how do I know, you know, I know this starts a job in the background, the documentation says it's going to take, you know, a certain amount of time but based on my settings how do I know when that's done and I can actually move on and start using it the library knows on tap right we've built that that knowledge into it so it knows how to track jobs it knows how to make use of um, the the next links so if you're ever looking at an API response and you, you know maybe it's returning a thousand records right and that might take some time and so one of the optimizations in the API is you can say well please return to me within 15 seconds. Um, and if it takes longer than that to iterate, it'll give you, hey, here's the next link. If, whenever, you want, whenever you're ready to continue, go ahead. Um, and the library knows how to follow those and uh, takes some of that, that complexity even you know, away from you again and, and allows you to just work in, in Python and not worry too much about the details. Um, it does some lazy, lazy iteration. Um, you know, using generators and, you know, other Pythonic things, so you can um, keep writing, you know, the normal code you need to, whether you're doing, you know, asynchronous stuff or you're doing synchronous programming, et cetera. So it sounds like there's a lot of effort being made into 
making this as easy to consume as possible, which is good because a lot of the storage admins out there that are trying to learn automation and coding aren't necessarily going to have the background needed to do deep dives into how everything works. So having something that's standard and common across different platforms is going to be very useful in you know the, the learning curve that it takes to do all the automation needed. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, our, our, you know, our, our target audience is people who are at least somewhat familiar with programming or starting to learn, you know, programming in, in Python, but not necessarily, you don't, you know, we're not looking for experts, right? So it needs to be easy for everyone. And so not only have we tried to make the library easy, but we've also um, uh, started, pro you know, providing examples. So recently uh, there was a, a, a GitHub repository of, of, um, example scripts to do various things using the library. So that's if you're on uh, github.com slash netapp slash ontap dash rest dash Python. So inside that repository, there's a, a, a number of scripts doing the various common operations um, that, that were put together by a couple members of our team, including Yubraju and myself. And um, just to, you know, maybe you have never used it before, or maybe you say, well, I see the exam. I, you know, I see the generic documentation, but how do I do, you know, NFS exports, right? And so you might you might go there, and whether it was a script written by a NetApp engineer or uh, maybe you know you have written a, a good script or a good utility, and you'd like to share it with the community. Um, we're accepting pull requests uh, there if you want to add add your knowledge to the rest of the community, right? So it's, it's a good place for us to to demonstrate and and discuss. Um, and get feedback. It's interesting, Justin, you mentioned about uh, users, storage admins, those who are learning. So uh, towards that end, what we have also done is we have this Python client library hosted on PyPy. Uh, PyPy is the place where folks go and, uh, go and look for anything related to Python. Uh, it's a repository. So uh, as a user, if you have a Linux machine and then which is connected to the internet, if you do a pip install uh, and then give the netapp on tap rest it can actually go pull in all uh, the, the, the it will pull in the package it will pull in the dependencies and it will allow him to start using it when he points it to a controller and uh, the documentation we have a, a big uh, and very useful documentation which is publicly available and in addition to it we have a lab we have a lab in our lab on demand and uh, and you know that a few of our labs are customer accessible, right? So the REST API lab is also customer accessible. So customers as well as storage admins and our own field, they can actually go in, uh, reserve this lab, and uh, Rob mentioned about GitHub. So we have a, a procedure where you can actually uh, clone all the samples scripts from GitHub into the lab on demand. And then you can actually try it out from there. And uh, we have a comprehensive guide which goes along with uh, the lab. And Adrian also has actually built his own GitHub, uh, which caters to not just REST uh, via Python, but to a lot more. And he, I think we can also build a virtual lab, right, Adrian? Yeah, right. Um, absolutely. So, and this is this is also a big benefit of of what's going on in in general at the moment. We see um, a lot of folks from the community um, just contributing and sharing their knowledge. So, as Raju mentioned, um, the labs can be accessed by anyone. So, if if you're using it for self learning or for preparing a demonstration, or if if you just want to to test something and you don't have the appropriate um, testing environment, a physical box available. 
you can just spin it off with it, uh, spin it off with it seconds and um, just use it. And uh, the things that are shared, um, for instance, um, on the NetApp GitHub page, are perfect end-to-end -end examples to get an idea how an end-to-end -end script look, looks like, including error handling and all the maybe more complex things around it. So really cool. And um, what I also tried to do um, on the GitHub page, um, on my GitHub page, is showing simple examples and snippets because often customers and partners um, come in and say, hey, I, I just need a snippet to get started, to get an idea uh, as simple as possible. And what I try to put together there are all the standard tasks in different languages the same way. So you can go in and see, how do I create a volume? How do I create an SVM? How do I just get a list of volumes from my cluster? And you will get uh, a sample script for PowerShell, for Python, um, or a simple curl statement that you can call from a Bash shell. So in, in addition to what uh, Adrian mentioned and Rob started off with, we also have a Slack channel uh, through which customers or users can come in and ask queries. And we have folks like Adrian, Rob, myself, and folks from our technical marketing team, uh, Mahalakshmi and Jacob, who are there and then going through listening in on the Slack channels and then responding back. So we have had a few good instances of where the time uh, to probably acknowledge an issue and then respond back uh, has actually been improved a lot. So uh, it, Slack is a very good way of interacting. And this is um, the newer way of where, where uh, 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 DevOps or developers come in and then ask for queries. So Slack uh, is one good way where you can interact with us. In addition to it, since we are talking about resources, we also have a DevNet page. It's devnet.netapp.com, developer network. So DevNet is one place where you can actually find all resources uh, related to OntapRest API, uh, right from blogs to podcasts to where you can download the Python client library, uh, the documentation related to Python client library, even the links to podcasts. With, uh, the previous one, what we did with Justin, and this one, you can find the links to all these resources on DevNet. So the idea here is, how do we enable you? How do we enable you to get your hands, feet wet with uh, the REST APIs? And uh, the tools which will make it simpler, the examples and samples. So we are just getting started on providing you with all these resources. Going forward, we will have a regular cadence where we will post additional samples as well. So what sort of feedback are you getting from customers and partners? I mean, how are they approaching the REST API piece? Is it something they have enjoyed? Or is it something they feel like needs more work? I think I will take this one um, because it's, it's really depending on um, who you are talking to. So what we generally see on the Slack channel, for example, or for customers that are new to this, um, we hear very positive feedback because it's so simple. Just, just to give an, uh, an example, um, there was recently an ask on, on, on Slack. Hey, I found the sample script, but I would like to um, know how this and that feature works. And uh, we pointed him to the part of the documentation and he said, oh, great. That's all my developers need. And he went off and, and was fine with it. So really easy to start with and great to, to get support with. Um, whereas with uh, traditional customers that were um, used to automating things, for example, based on Zapis and the stack that was available the last couple of years, um, there it is um, a longer journey, as Yorovaj just said, um, because there are historical dependencies. But also there the feedback is, oh, wow, um, it's really like simple to get 
into it. Let's now um, take on the next step on how to transform existing things to the new things. What about you, Yuvaraj? What are you hearing out there? Yeah, so uh, um, to add to Adrian, I think, yeah, so you have the new set of users and you have the traditional set of users. So for the new set of users, um, they are looking at uh, where do we get started is the first place they ask. And then the Swagger documentation, what we built, has been absolutely fantastic. So we point uh, to them to there and the feedback what we get around it. And uh, they just get started with it. It's publicly available. So that's been the good part. In addition to it, we have also had some of our partners who are reaching out and then saying, uh, okay, so I have built this with Zappy and I actually want to build this with REST now. How can you help me? And what some of them, what they've done is they've went ahead, looked at the Swagger documentation and then said, okay, uh, this was the Zappy I used. And uh, I think this is what is the equivalent one. Uh, but they do reach back to us and then say, we are using, say, 50, 60 Zappies. And this is what we feel is the right one. Is this the right approach? So towards that end, uh, we are helping them out. Uh, what we are also planning to do is to collate all this information and make it available so that anybody else who's trying to go down that path, uh, they can actually uh, go and take advantage of what we already have rather than starting from scratch. So these have been some of the good uh, feedbacks, uh, what we are getting. Uh, and also we have customers who are moving out of uh, some of our products like API services. They're moving out of API services and they're trying to consume on Tapris directly. So overall, it's been a positive feedback, Justin. Uh, and uh, uh, what we are seeing is we are seeing a lot more customers coming to us and also saying that we have uh, automated it and these are the features um, and we find that some of it is missing and they come to us saying that, can you prioritize this? Can you bring it in? So uh, that is also the conversations which we are having. So we acknowledge that there are a few functionalities which are missing, few of, of the attributes which are missing. So we actually work with the internal teams within ONTAP, and then we prioritize it, and then we bring in uh, so two, three different kind of conversations that we are ha that are happening currently. So um, you know, we mentioned earlier we're talking about the different libraries and such, and we mentioned PowerShell and and uh, things that you can consume REST APIs with. So what is PowerShell looking like for the future? Are we going to be leveraging that to do REST APIs, or is it going to still leverage Zappies? Yeah, good that you brought it up. Um, so we have quite a huge customer base of a lot of users who have uh, automated using our PowerShell toolkit. So the approach that we are going to take is to kind of make it a, a seamless experience for users who are currently automated using PowerShell toolkit. The idea here is the existing PowerShell commands which work for cluster mode um, should cluster mode through Zappies, the same should work for REST. So that way, uh, there shouldn't be a lot of changes at the script level, uh, which have been built from, from the user standpoint. So depending on the ONTAP controller version, uh, the command would have an option to choose between Zappy and REST, or automatically, depending on the ONTAP version, it can choose between Zappy and REST. So we are giving a switch there, and that's the plan. Uh, Rob, could you just add a bit more there? Sure. So, uh, right. So, like you, Raju mentioned, the 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 basics of it are that we we plan to enhance the the existing PowerShell toolkit that we've been shipping for quite a while. And if if you use it to connect to an ONTAP cluster that is version nine point six or greater, 
um, the default is just going to automatically uh, try to use rest right for all for all of the existing commandlets. So there's not a new commandlet set. These are the the same nc dash you know star commandlets that are part of that module, and um, it's just going to get its information from rest or trans transact via rest, but seamlessly is the idea, right? So you're the same the same commandlet, the same arguments, the same object is is going to be returned was prior to our enhancements um, and so you know we, we we reached out to our you know our sales engineers and or uh, our TMEs and you know people who are familiar with with using the existing PowerShell toolkit and said hey you know you know what does this mean to you you know what should we do we, we're looking at adding rest you know what's the best way to go about it and we got feedback that said there's a large investment lots of scripts out there we really I think it would be beneficial to try to uh, keep it as seamless as possible. And so that that's our goal, um, is to hide all of the technical details of what it's doing and how, um, and just keep presenting the same uh, interface that people have been scripting to for a long time. So uh, Adrian, what other use cases can we think of for this? Yeah, I think there are various um, use cases. And um, I would just uh, um, talk about two examples. Um, that we see uh, quite commonly. So one a rather simple um, translation, for example, of the scripts that are currently in use uh, at a customer um, from Zapi to REST, um, whereas Yuvaraju um, explained earlier, um, we can simply take the approach of um, explaining the, basic, the basics of REST, how to execute it, and just do a mapping, which is uh, pretty simple and um, works very well with the customers I dealt with so far. Um, and then we have um, customer scenarios where we are not as connected and not even required because um, just to give another example, uh, customers were building um, virtualization platforms and wanted to offer file services based on ONTAP Select. Um, so as you know, ONTAP Select, the deploy engine itself also has REST APIs, so you can deploy instances. And now you can also manage these instances, for example, for provisioning file shares. Um, they had an automation stack already that um, was capable to deal with REST resources and REST calls. So we went through a couple of examples for an hour or so, um, described the API reference and how the basic functionality works. And they went off and, and just implemented it. And there was no um, further input from our side required. So. Um, it's going pretty well, and um, I think there are a lot of good examples out there um, on successful um, transitions so far. So you mentioned something about translating existing uh, scripts and, and automation to the current versions. Do we have tools that do that, or is that something that's like done by hand? So at the moment, we we have the API reference that is that is public as well as on the box, so um, you can do it pretty well. Um, mapping on your own. Um, we released a mapping from API services to um, unified manager REST APIs um, in the knowledge base. And um, maybe Yuvaraju can talk about um, more that is planned in that area. Yeah, so Justin, that was a good question what you raised. So one is users, or uh, at least the traditional users or folks who have been automating using ONTAP, they're aware of Zappies. And uh, there is a level of um, uh, knowledge or a level of effort needed to understand if these are the Zapis I use, 
what might be the equivalent rest. Although we have a Swagger interface, uh, it will be enormous because it runs into a lot of pages. There are a lot of parameters. To help them in that endeavor, we are working on a Zappy to rest mapping uh, kind of uh, work. So we are yet to decide as to how, what are the form of this? Would it be a consumable in terms of a tool or a document? But the idea there is a user should be able to uh, probably type in a search for the Zappy, and then it should provide him what is the equivalent uh, in terms of REST, uh, which API and which attribute would provide the functionality. So there is efforts happening in that direction as well, uh, Justin. So would the efforts include things like doing that automatically for you? Like, you know, it'll show you the mapping, but is there something I could do to like maybe click a button where it automatically replaces that for me? Um, yeah, I think it really depends on on what you try to do. If you do your very custom automation at a very low level, then um, there there are many things to cover and, and and a lot of various use cases. So it would be really hard to um, do it in an automated um, way because of all the customization. Um, but if you go at a higher level and um, use abstractions like um, our Ansible um, modules or as your Yuvarajan mentioned earlier, the PowerShell toolkit, then we are basically able to do certain things under the hood so you don't even recognize that, that something changed. So um, I think both approaches um, are valid. And um, if you want to have this seamless um, translation, then um, you would be good to go with, for example, Ansible or PowerShell Toolkit. Yeah, I think that was a very good point which Adrian brought up. So it depends on at what level or what is that, yeah, what is the tool that you're using in your automation, in your infrastructure or the enterprise. The reason being, if you go with Ansible, the NetApp Ansible modules, so depending on the ONTAP version, it could automatically choose to use Zappy and REST, and you don't have to worry about um, uh, uh, kind of using a tool to kind of change it from Zappy to REST. Similarly, with the approach what we are taking with PowerShell, uh, it also helps them at, at a high level, at a level of the PowerShell command itself, rather than worrying about what is being used underneath. So abstraction is very key here. Uh, so the lower you go down the path is when uh, you will feel there is a lot more transformation or transition being needed. So basically, rather than changing everything, you can just kind of create a wrapper that calls something else that's more uh, in tune with what's supported with the platform. Right. True. True, Justin. And to add to this, this is actually also something that 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 customers out there are, are doing. I mean, think simply about um, a neutral vendor neutral script, right? So um, a couple of of scenarios I've I've seen so far. It was by intent that. Um, uh, for example, there was a block written for Zappy for um, seven mode systems, another block that was written um, based on Zappy's for um, clustered data on tap systems. Um, then a couple of other vendor modules um, were written. And it's now for, for, for these kind of um, deployments, automation stacks, it's, it's just about creating a new module um, for on tap, for instance, 9.7 and later based on REST APIs. So, um, in, in certain scenarios, it's, it's the intention to, to have this separation and the customers um, have the strategy to go with a new module um, for each solution they want to add to their overall automation stack. 
What can we expect for the future of REST API, uh, Yuvarajji? What sort of what sort of things are you looking at for the next steps, and you know what what's the plan overall? Yeah, so one of the major plans is to close uh, some of the feature functionality gaps. What we have, so towards that end, uh, we'll have uh, Metro cluster support and the new features coming in through protection and some of the missing functionality like uh, the file Zappy, the vServer security file. So all those capabilities are coming in as part of 9.8. So, uh, and along with it, a lot of performance counters, uh, Ethernet ports, fiber channel ports, interfaces, uh, node utilization metrics. So there's a lot more coming in with REST. In addition to it, any new feature coming in via on or coming in with ONTAP, uh, it'll be via it'll be with REST only. So the long term, uh, REST API will be the primary external phasing API. And we would want customers to actually start automating uh, through REST. And uh, any any f- in, uh, help they need, any feedback, uh, they can come to us. Uh, any business case where they feel that there are parameters missing, we are uh, there to help them out. Uh, they can use a CLI pass through. They can reach out to us. We'll make sure we'll prioritize it and bring it in. And the Zappy to REST mapping is definitely going to help us, uh, help for the customers uh, kind of move from the older automation, what they have built, to the new set of automation, the plans for PowerShell uh, toolkit. So overall, uh, the investment from an API standpoint is all towards REST. And we would want our customers to start building the new automation. Um, For the existing ones, they can still use Zappy. We will be giving them enough time. For any new projects, any new automation, we would want them to start consuming REST uh, depending on what they've standardized on, whether it is PowerShell or Ansible or any other tool, uh, our recommendation here is please start using REST. All right, Yuvaraju, Rob, Adrian, thanks so much for joining us today and telling us all about what's new in REST API. So uh, Yuvaraju, if we wanted to contact you or get more information, how do we do that? Yeah, uh, Justin, so uh, folks can reach out to us on the Slack channel, the API Slack channel on netapp.io the, or the pub. Uh, you can also reach out through uh, NG. We have an NG on tap REST API queries or uh, through GitHub. So uh, as Rob mentioned earlier, you can come in through GitHub, give us your reviews and provide us some of your comments. We can go back and then uh, probably look at the sample scripts, given a new set of scripts as well. And Adrian? Yeah, you can, of course, um, reach me also on GitHub or um, via the Slack channel that Yuravaju mentioned. I'm happy to take your questions and uh, follow up on discussions there. And Rob? Uh, I'm I'm available on the Slack channels. Uh, um, if you're looking for any feedback specifically about the netapp-ontap library, uh, we're linked on from PyPI. There's an ng, ng-ontap-rest-python-lib. Um, and, uh, there's several people who can uh, help uh, answer your questions there, or if, uh, if you, you know, want to get some fast feedback, or or you know, go go outside of the the you know maybe the more lengthy uh, support cycle and just you know it's just library related. Feel free to to uh, put some bug reports there if you need. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll include those links in the show notes slash podcast blog. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, 
Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Yuvarazu, Rob McDermott, and Adrian Bronder for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.